This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. That's what we're going to be talking from Mark chapter 5 tonight. Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 25 in just a minute, but go ahead and turn there. And we're going to look at a woman that has a really, uh, you know, there's a popular word today that uh, young people use that, you know, wasn't back in my day, it meant something different. But today, if somebody's having problems, they say, she's got real issues. Or they got issues. Well, this woman here had a real issue, and you're going to see that in just a minute. But uh, we're going to see that faith got her the help she needed from Jesus. It changed her life and turned it around where she began to live a normal life again. And so I want to say this about your life. The principles of faith are the same in every area of life. Uh, this, this passage is going to be talking about healing, but it will work also in your financial life. If you're having crisis and been having problems in finances for years, faith will turn your finances around. Faith will change your marriage. Faith will turn your children's life around. Faith will get the addict delivered. Faith will set you free from rage. Faith will set you free from fear. Anything that's hindering your life with God to enjoy a normal life on this earth the way God intended, that's being attacked, there's only two areas it comes from. Number one, it's either the devil, or number two, that's the person you look at in the mirror every morning. Amen. Something I learned a long time ago about faith. Well, I guess, you know, I'm back to pastoring again now. You cast out devils and you crucify flesh. In other words, you take authority over your flesh and make your flesh do what it should. Make your body, make your mouth, instead of do what they should. You can't, can't, you can't cast out you. You've got to change you with the Word of God. You can't cast out devils and you can bind devils, but you can't bind you. You've got to learn to control you. And sometimes Christians go around all the time trying to bind the devil and nothing's working because it's not the devil, it's them. You can't bind your husband. You can't bind your wife. <laughs> Amen. The only one you can change is you. And Jesus made the statement in Matthew. He said this. He said, let your light so shine before men <clears throat> that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so the best way to change your mate is to change you where they see your good works. And they think, wow, wow, she's changed. She really has changed. Or she says, man, he really has changed. There's a difference in him. It's really working. He has changed. You know what that does? That speaks volumes and makes them want to change too because they find out, wow, this Jesus stuff's real. Amen. And so anyway, faith will turn anything around in life, real Bible faith. When you learn what it is and how to use it. So I want to start reading this passage here. And I want you to notice in verse 25, Jesus said a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. That means she had female problems. And if you're a woman, then you've probably dealt with that at some time or another. Or you know somebody that has. Or if you're a man that's married to a woman or has women in your life, you know, sometimes that's a pretty embarrassing, humiliating, not a fun thing. I know from all the women that's been in my life. I've got daughters, had a mom, got a wife. And when women go through those things, especially what they go through for 12 years, that's a long time to put up with that. But I want you to notice he said a certain woman. Sometimes 
when their story's been told in the Bible about Jesus, it says, and he told them a parable. Well, a parable's not about a real person. A parable is a natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. There's spiritual things you need to understand sometimes, so Jesus will tell you a natural story. See, I, I can tell you stories about truck drivers that give you spiritual things because I was a truck driver for a lot of years. So I can talk about there was a certain truck driver. He got, he got, he got papers from his dispatcher for a destination and things he's supposed to do. Well, as a Christian, you get dispatches from heaven with papers called the Word of God and things you're supposed to do when you get there. Like, preach the gospel, share the love of Jesus, turn the other cheek, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, there's natural illustrations about people that aren't really real people, but natural illustrations about a fisherman, about a carpenter, about a man that built a house. And when he tells those things there, it says there's a parable. But when he says a certain woman, he's telling you there's a certain woman. That could be a certain woman that's sitting at High Desert Word Center Church tonight that this could speak right to because this lady's going through the same thing. Or sometimes you'll say there's a certain man that had a son. I'll tell you about a story going on there in their life there and what they did to get help. So right now, he's telling us a true story about a real person like you or like me that faced crisis in life and it looked like there was no help. Has anybody ever faced a crisis where it looked like there's no help and you knew the only one you could turn to was God? And you knew that if God didn't come through, that this thing was going to end in a very unfavorable way you did not want to happen at all. Amen. And so anyway, a real person like me or you, and so verse 25, she had that issue of blood and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. And when, when, when I look at this here, I'm thinking about people I know, even Christians, that they go to everybody, everywhere, try to get the answer. And finally, as a last, as a last option, they finally turn to Jesus. Talk about Christians. I remember one of the most embarrassing things in my life, right? Embarrassing? I don't know if I say embarrassing, it was upsetting. I had a lady in my church back in Indiana. She was about 60 years old. She had a daughter in her 30s. And this daughter, this was back before all the tattoo stuff became real popular, okay? We're not talking about California. We're talking about Midwest, hillbilly country where they don't do tattoos. That's why this story, that's why this story, it may not seem shocking to you, but back at that time, probably 25 years ago, it was a real shocker to me. So this woman had this real weirdo in town. And I want to say it again. This isn't talking about California. This is talking about the Bible Belt 25 years ago. That he was a tattoo dude. And he was one of them covered in tattoos. You didn't see that where I came from. That, that was a very, very, very weird thing. And so anyway, this woman comes up to the altar at prayer time, like we do. And she's crying and holding my hand says, Pastor, my daughter is going with so-and-so. He wants to put a tattoo of an eagle on her chest. Well, got this little young white girl. And nobody, no girls have tattoos. Nobody does that stuff back there. As this woman is really tore up about it. And so I knew things about that guy because he'd visited my church. He really was way off. He wasn't just that, but he was wacky spiritually. He thought he was Elijah that had come back. Remember Elijah flew out? He thought he was Elijah, and he deceived young ladies because he wanted something other than teaching the Bible. 
And so when she told me that, I knew exactly what was going on. And so I'm her pastor. This is incompetent. You're at the prayer line. When somebody that's been a good member of your church for a long time comes to you, you know, this between me and you. We're the only ones you're come. You're coming to me because I'm your pastor, and you want somebody that's got some faith to help you. And so I shared some things about the guy, and I said, but we've got authority over that. And we prayed, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next thing I know, I got a letter in my mailbox from that guy. Man, all kinds of stuff in there talking about what a da-da-da-da-da about me dare talk about him that way like that. And I come to find out that that lady had talked to nearly everybody in the church, everybody in every church, every pastor she could stop on the street, and then she came to me. And so I thought, man, she's opened up her heart to me and I want to help her. She went to everybody. And so anyway, long story short, the girl got the tattoo. I never saw it. <laughs> I just heard about it. And ended up, ended up marrying that guy. But what I'm saying is this. You don't want to run to Jesus as your last resort. You know, praise God, if you've already checked out everybody else right now about whatever it is you're facing in life, after tonight, I want you to learn how to turn to Jesus. And even whether he is your first or last, at least turn to him and let him deliver you and set you free. So I want you to look at verse 34. I want you to look at verse 34. I want to go to the end of the story. Then I'm going to come back and break it apart. And so it tells us lots of things in between. And so she had this problem 12 years. And so then the end of the story is this. He said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He said, your faith, Jesus didn't say Jesus' faith. He said, your faith. He said, your faith has made you whole. And so she had real faith and received from Jesus what she needed to live a normal life. And so if she could have real faith, then you can have real faith. I can have real faith to change whatever it is we're facing in life. Whatever's tried to come crashing down, destroy our life, destroy our family, destroy our income, destroy our children. Whatever it is, real faith, real Bible faith will make you whole. Real Bible faith will turn your life around so you can live a normal life. And so if she had it, we can get it. And so I want to talk first of all about what is faith. Now keep your marker there. We're coming back to this. What is faith? Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You know, a lot of people have a lot of uh, ideas, thoughts, opinions, and what they think real faith is. Real faith isn't just positive thinking. Real faith isn't just, if you can set your mind to it, you can do anything. We have to recognize that the spiritual arena, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's demonic things out there. Positive thinking doesn't cast out devils. Positive thinking doesn't make the devil flee from you. It's the name of Jesus and the Word of God that turns things around. Uh, positive thinking doesn't heal cancer. Positive thinking doesn't give you a new heart. Jesus heals cancer. Jesus gives new hearts. Jesus is the one that does all that, but it's faith that brings it to pass. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, now faith is. Well, if it's telling you what faith is, then it's going to tell you what faith is from God's perspective. It says the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so 
I like to look at a couple of the translations, really explain that to me. I, I can go into detail on this here, but I'd rather just read a couple other translations that make it real to me. But God says, now faith is, that this is what faith really is, the God kind of faith, the real faith. There's a translation called the Moffat's translation. It says, faith is being confident of what we hope for. Being confident of what we hope for. Convinced of what we do not see. Convinced of what we do not see. Confident and convinced that what God said, almost said Dad. He's our Heavenly Father. Confident and convinced that if the Bible says it, that's the way it is. I don't have to see it. I know it. How do I know it? Because God said it. So I know that I know that I know that I know. Another translation, the Amplified Bible says this, faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. And I'll tell you the, the easiest way I know how to, how to talk about an example that I think everybody can relate to. How many here believe the Bible when the book of Revelation says there's a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life? The Bible says it. I've never seen it of you. But the Bible says the redeemed of the Lord have their names written in there. It says God writes your name in the book of life. And so I've never seen it, but I perceive as real fact is there. And because he says it's a real book, I'm not going to try to figure out to be, well, what, what, or what it might be. It's a book. God said it's a book. It's the Lamb's book of life. How many know also that the Bible says that the streets of heaven are made out of real gold. Okay, so that tells me one thing. Heaven has streets. I've never seen them. But I'm convinced that I have confidence that I get to heaven, I'll see streets. Why is that? Because the Bible says that. And in my heart where Jesus lives, I know that. Because Jesus bears witness with my spirit that what God said is true. And I also know this. Book of Revelation says there's a river that flows right through the center of heaven. It says it's the river of life. I've never seen that river. But I know there's a river in heaven because the Bible says it. I'm confident and convinced. And so on and on and on, all the different things you've heard about eternity in heaven, they're in the Bible. And also the Bible talks about hell. Fire and brimstone, lake of fire, burning forever and ever. There's no quenching of the thirst. It's a real place. I've never seen it, and I never will see it. I don't ever want to see it. I'm not going to see it. I'm going to see the streets of gold. In my father's house are many mansions, dwelling places. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so I know when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk on streets of gold. I'm going to see the big river. The Lamb of God says his glory is so bright that there's no need of light in heaven, there's no day, no night. It says the Lamb of God, Jesus, His glory lights up all of heaven. It says no matter how, how far you are away from the throne, it's not too bright, it's not too dim. You'd be right up by the throne, the light's just right. Be way away from it, the light's just right. Because the Bible says that's the way it is. Well, the Bible also says that by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. I don't have to see it to believe it. The Bible says it, and I know it. Bible also says, the Bible also says, my God shall supply all of your need. 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And on and on and on. Whatever the Bible promises are to you about your marriage, about your children, about your job, about being delivered. Colossians 1.13 says we have been delivered from the authority of darkness. That tells me the addict that's under control of, I don't know what all you want to call it, dope. I don't even know what the modern terms. I guess dope. That's what we used to call it. You know, marijuana used to be dope, I guess. It's not dope anymore. Just dopey people do it. I don't know. Anyway, things that mess up your physical body or your thinking process, whether it's alcohol, whether it's illegal substances, or whatever it is that have a hold on you, Jesus, according to Colossians 1.13, has delivered you. And so, see, once you begin to get a hold of the value of the Word of God, that the Word of God works when you work the Word, you'll start seeing yourself walking in the normal life that Jesus has for you. Amen. So faith is being confident and convinced, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to your senses. And so faith believes before it sees. But at the same time, if this isn't too deep for you, faith sees before it receives. You see it in the Word by the Spirit, the eyes of your spirit, and then your natural eyes get to see it because it will show up. You see it before you see it. You see it in the Word, it gets in your heart, and you begin to talk about it. And then it shows up. Like, uh, was it uh, Katie Brady who was doing worship while we talked about speaking to the mountain? Amen. Things change when you get a hold of real Bible faith. And so I want to say this one more time before we look at the next step. This woman become confident and convinced she is going to be healed by Jesus. She perceived as real fact, when we look at this story, she perceived as real fact that Jesus was going to heal her. And so we as believers have to get this kind of faith working in our lives where we believe it beyond anything anybody says. Anybody tries to talk us out, they can't talk us out of it. How many here can be talked out of your salvation in Jesus? Can anybody talk you out of going to heaven and tell you if you just do this, quit going to church, quit being a Christian, start living this kind of life? They can't talk you out of it. Well, you need to get to the place of these things you're facing that's trying to challenge your life to where they can't talk you out of that either. I'm talking about circumstances, situations, unbelieving people, or whatever it is. You need to perceive as real fact Bible truth that God said it and you believe it. And so that, that's what faith is, what God says in Hebrews 11, 1. But then, how did this woman enter into this kind of faith? How did she come to that kind of faith? Go back to Mark chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 27. And I want to say it again. We're talking about real faith. And if this woman's faith could make her whole, then your faith could get you delivered. Your faith could bring restoration into your family. Your faith can get you financially free. Your faith can change everything and anything that needs to be changed. And so I want you to notice in verse 27... We see she'd already, verse 26, went to all the doctors everywhere else. It says, 
Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard. She heard about this doctor, that doctor, heard about this cure, that cure, heard about this person, that person. And finally, she changed her source of information. She heard about Jesus. Hold your place and look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And as a pastor wanting to help people, I'm showing you from the Bible how to have real faith that will change any impossible situation that you're facing in life. Romans 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, of course, we know from John chapter 1, Jesus is the living word. The word was made flesh and walked among us. Jesus was a walking Bible, if you will. And so everywhere that Jesus went, he preached the gospel. He told the good news about God was doing for people. And then he demonstrated with signs and wonders through healing people, delivering people, setting people free, bringing the love of God everywhere he went. This woman then quit hearing about all the different people everywhere that might be able to help her as she heard There's a man from Galilee. He's preaching that he's the Messiah. And then blind people are getting healed. Deaf people are getting healed. People are getting raised from the dead. People with diseases like yours, lady, they're getting healed. This has happened. And so then faith started coming because she was hearing about the one who's the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Started hearing about that. And I want to tell you something. Now get a hold of this. Look at that verse. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It does not say that faith cometh by whining and complaining and begging God. It doesn't say faith cometh by running to every other Christian that you know. It says, pray for me, my sister. Pray for me, brother. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. It doesn't say that. You know, to me, that category there. Is like this woman running to everybody else trying to get help. As she come to find out, she went to everybody she knew. How many of you have ever known somebody? If it's you, don't be too embarrassed because, you know, you got to start somewhere. But how many of you have tried that before? Asking everybody to pray for you as you still don't get any better. If things aren't working, asking everybody to pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, 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 pray. Well, if that happened, man, I'd just take easy street. I'd get on Facebook like a lot of people do. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd say, if I just get a thousand people to grip me in prayer, this will be taken care of. Man, you know what? If you get a thousand Christians to agree on anything. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a whole other road, isn't it? <laughs> no, faith doesn't come by getting lots of people to pray for you. Jesus didn't say, woman, all your friends made you whole. He said, your faith made you whole. Said you found out the secret of faith and your faith made you whole. You can't, you quit running everywhere else trying to get faith. Said you heard about me, the one that has the answer. You turned to me and I'm the one that healed you. Amen. Your faith made you whole. And I want you to notice something else too. It doesn't say faith cometh by praying. Amen. There's a lot of people do a lot of praying, but they still don't get what they need because their pray, their prayers don't have the fuel of faith behind it which only comes by hearing the Word of God. Let's say that again. 
There's a lot of good prayers. But if they're not spending time in the Word of God, getting their faith back, their prayer back by faith from the Word of God, then they got a lot of air coming out. And they might do a lot of good praising. Praising God's good. Worshiping God's good. All those things are good. But there's a difference between prayer and worship. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So get this, this woman's faith made her whole because she heard of Jesus. And then I want you to notice then, after she heard, I want you to see the next thing she did. Look at verse uh, verse 27 again. It says, she heard of Jesus. She came to the press behind the at verse 28. For she said, she didn't just hear something, but she said, and the Amplified Bible says, for she kept saying, she kept saying over and over again, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole, I shall be whole, I shall be whole. I touch Jesus, I shall be whole, I shall be whole. In other words, she had a good faith confession. And go over to chapter 11 here in the book of Mark. Go over to chapter 11. We're talking about real Bible faith, what it is, and how it works. We already know what the results are, real Bible faith. Whatever it is you believe in God for, it comes to pass. With real Bible faith, faith changes things. I want to make a statement the Lord gave me years ago. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Faith, number one... Faith acknowledges the problem. If you get a bad diagnosis, something really you don't like from the doctor, faith doesn't deny it. Faith acknowledges that's a fact. They found that working in my body, but now I'm going to get the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to get in my heart and in my mouth, and faith is going to change that fact to agree with the Bible. You know, when I went through things last year, I, after the stuff I went through, I said, those doctors are going to be looking at microscopes and stuff, and they're going to say, we've never seen this before. It says First Peter 2.24. What's a First Peter 2.24? By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Guess what? The doctor saw First Peter 2.24. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. It showed up. Faith changed the facts of the situation. But Mark 11, verse 22 and 23, Mark 11 Verse 22 and 23 says this. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in your doctors, which you ought to have. But have faith, number one, in who? In God. Have faith in your marriage counselors. Well, if you go to marriage counselor, you ought to, you ought to trust them. But the number one thing for your marriage is have faith in? Okay, how about your children? Have, have faith that all those atheist school teachers try, try to change your kids. No, there's a lot of good school teachers, but a lot of them aren't good school teachers. Have faith in God for your children to come out right. Whatever it is, your number one source has got to be God. And then he says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, and I circled the say, and the whosoever. Because when Jesus said whosoever, I wrote this means me, because I'm a whosoever. So he's talking to anybody that will listen. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and that mountain is symbolic of your crisis. Financial, health, marriage, job, addiction, 
Whatever it is that's trying to destroy you, it's big. But God's bigger. He said, shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. There's a difference between your heart and your head. When you're looking at possible situations, your head will tell you no way. Your head will try to figure out, but how? Your head will try to wonder, is it working? Is it ever going to happen? But your heart is where Bible faith is. Jesus lives in your heart. Your heart, your born again spirit, is where the Holy Spirit's at. And so your faith comes to your heart, and your faith will override your head if you know how to talk right. And so he says, shall not doubt his heart, but shall believe. Now look at this, that those things which he saith, and I circled the saith, shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever, I circled it again, he saith. Three times God talked through Jesus about your mouth. He said, when you're looking at the mountain, he said, you'll have whatsoever you say. He said, you saith it, and you saith it. And something I learned as a baby Christian that I've practiced all my 39 years of Christianity. By the way, my birthday's in two days, 39 years old on the 29th. 29th, 39, my life really started on the 29th of January, 1980. But this body came into the earth in July of 1951. But those first 28 and a half years were dead years. I become born again. In January 29th, 1980, so 39 years I've been practicing this. So anyway, I learned a long time ago that when you pray the Word of God over a situation, I've heard preachers say, you know, you pray it more than once, you're in doubt and all that stuff. Well, you know, that's true to a certain extent, but Jesus said in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, with prayer and thanksgiving, with prayer and thanksgiving, with prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And so when I'm facing crisis, once I've prayed and I spoke to the mountain, then whenever that fear tries to hit me again, it's not working. The symptoms try to get worse. Things try to look bad. I've already prayed God heard me. So what do I do? I turn it into the Thanksgiving prayer. I want to thank you, Father, that on such and such a day, the elders of the church anointed me with all the name of the Lord. Lord, I want to thank you on that day, on that day, when they prayed the prayer of faith, according to James 5, 14 and 15, your power started working in my body on that day. But see, you're tempted all the time. Start asking all over again, over and over again. Oh, Jesus, save my daughter. Oh, Jesus, save my daughter. Oh, Jesus, save my daughter. Well, 2,000 years ago, he died for her sins. 2,000 years ago, he was raised from the dead for her. He told us what to do about that. Number one. He said, break the power of the devil over him. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan has him blinded to the gospel. Matthew 18, 18, he said, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Matthew 9, verse 37, 38 says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers across their path. He told us what to do. And then Acts 16, 31 said, I'll save you and save your house. And so what we do, we pray the word. And then instead of begging him all the time to save your daughter, save your daughter, save your daughter, say, Lord, I want to thank you. I broke the power of the devil over that child. You told me in Proverbs 22, 6, to trade her up the way she go. I did my part, Jesus. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you told me to pray the Lord of the harvest. Thank you, Jesus, that I can keep my mouth shut. 
I don't have to browbeat her anymore. I don't have to tell her what a low life she is anymore. Matter of fact, that's probably what the biggest problem is you told her. But anyway, say, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Your word's working that there's people crossing her path that are the right ones that she can relate to, that share the gospel for her. I want to thank you, Lord, that no matter what I see, I know that Satan has nothing over my daughter. Man, I'm preaching to me, aren't I? <laughs> Amen. We all need to hear, we all need to hear this, but this is how faith works. Faith is confident and convinced that if God said, pray for labors, he said it labors. If God said what we bound is bound, it's bound. If God says we trade them up right, they're trained. They gotta get in line. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So he ends up by saying, with this God kind of faith, you have whatsoever you saith. And so you need to do a checkup from the neck up. Amen. You need to check that thing right, right above your chin right there, right, right between your nose and your chin, the little thing there. And Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life's in the power of that thing right there. Amen. It says, your tongue speaks poison. At the same time, your, your, your tongue brings sweetness. And so you need to train your tongue to obey your spirit and start saying what God says, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, the woman then kept saying, I shall be whole. Back to Mark chapter 5 then. Talk about this faith that made her whole. Then notice also in verse 27, she came in the press, the crowd, and touched his garment. And so this woman had said, if I just touch his garment, I shall be whole. And so hold your place and look at James chapter 1, verse 22. And the whole point of tonight is Jesus told this woman, your faith made you whole. She had, she had female problems very seriously for 12 years. And so that was a crisis, an ongoing problem. And her faith got her delivered from that. So if you've been looking at your problem for 12 years, guess what? That's not too long for God. If you've been looking at your problem for 12 months, that's not too long for God. If you've been looking at your problem for however many years, your faith will change that situation. James 1.22, But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. And so he says, if people hear the word, like tonight, there's lots of different aspects I'm looking at, and if something's jumping off of you and sparking something inside of you, well, that's the ingredient I needed. That's what I have to change. I do that, and then I know I'm walking in real faith. And so it says, hearers are deceived people that hear and don't do. And so I always like to say this. It's not what you hear and know. It's what you know and do that gets results. It's not how much you know. But it's what you do with what you know. You know, you think about think about the sinner's prayer. People especially in America, here lots and lots of times, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. You need Jesus in your heart. You need to pray, Jesus, Jesus died for your sins. They hear it and hear it, so that means they know it because they hear it. But until they act on it, he said in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. He didn't say whosoever shall hear the name of the Lord, 
Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. And so when you call the name of Jesus, every one of us went down that road at some point in time where we said, Jesus, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. I believe you're God's son. God raised you from the dead, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. That's when you got saved. You didn't get saved when you heard the gospel. You got saved when you acted on the words you heard. And so that's what he says right here. He says right here that you need to do what you hear. So this woman then had heard about Jesus, touching all the people and praying for him. And when they got around Jesus, came in contact with Jesus, where they were touched, something happened, something changed. So this woman said, back to verse 27, she came to the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And so this woman put into action her face. She did something. Now listen to this. She did something that wasn't easy to do, that wasn't comfortable to do. Well, you know a little bit about Bible times, which I'm not the super-duper Bible scholar of all the Old Testament stuff, but I know this much. Number one, a woman that was bleeding like that, they put the category of a leper. Lepers that had blood, blood issues and things going on, they couldn't come around the general population. They had to stay away from people. And if they got around people, they could actually be stoned to death. But a leper got within distance of people, he had to holler out, unclean, unclean, because if he got mixed in with people, they found he has a leper, they could have killed him. Well, a woman with issue of blood was in the same category. She wasn't supposed to be around people because she had a bleeding disease. And so she was supposed to stay away from people. She got close. She was supposed to holler, unclean, or they could have killed her. I'll tell you, she, she was facing things to be able to come into contact with Jesus. Then number two, it's still this way. In a lot of the Middle East, you guys have probably, some of you have seen it. Women over there are not supposed to be the general population. They can't mix in with the men, guys. And so this woman was not supposed to be around the men. Matter of fact, when the church started, the women had to sit on one side of the church with a partition in between because they couldn't be there with the men in the synagogue. And so this woman, she was violating things that were part of the public law around there. She had to come against the thing that she was going to come through as a crowd of men. She had to overcome the chance of getting killed by them because she had a disease. And so with all she went through, it says, she said, if I can just touch his clothes, because she couldn't just come out of the public and say, hey, Jesus, touch me. She had to slip in there and touch him. So this woman overcame some things. So you start thinking about your lives. Whatever it is you're facing right now, if you are, what is it that's an obstacle that you've got to override? What is it you've got to use your faith to come through to get to where you need to be so Jesus can touch you? Amen. So you need to think about that while we're looking at this because she was a doer of the word, not a hearer only. But I want you to notice then, it says in verse 29, in a straight way, the fountain of blood was dried up. She got to him, she touched him, and the blood stopped after 12 years. As she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. That's called manifestation. It happened. It wasn't by faith anymore. It was a reality. It happened. And Jesus, now look at this, immediately anointed himself that virtue or anointing had gone out of him, turned him about the press and said, Who touched my clothes? As the disciples said to him, 
Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and says thou, Who touched me? And so I want you to stop and think about this. There is a crowd of people all over there, and Jesus said, Who touched me? Well, how many hands of people were touching him? You know, think about people today, politicians, uh, you know, famous people. They get in a crowd, everybody's bad, somebody's trying to grab something, pull something, touch something like that. But Jesus, he says, he knew anointing left his body. Said, somebody here touched me. That's so I want to say this. He said, somebody touched me with the touch of faith. All these people were crying out, but one of these people already had set themselves up to receive a miracle. This woman heard Jesus is telling anybody that will receive it. So this woman started saying then, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, I shall be whole, I shall be whole. Those other people were just out there in the crowd, just going with the crowd, thronging Jesus, it says, and nobody got anything except one person. And when that happened, Jesus with his conscious mind, wasn't even conscious about who that person was because Jesus wasn't a deceiver or a liar. And if Jesus said, who touched me, that means Jesus honestly wanted to know with his understanding, who touched me? As disciples, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touched you. And so, paraphrase, Jesus said, no, somebody had faith that touched me. How do I know he said that? Because he said, woman, your faith made you whole. He said, somebody with face touched me. How many people on the earth today are crying out to Jesus? How many people are receiving miracles? I can tell you the ones receiving miracles, the ones that's getting a hold of some word. That, of course, mercy and goodness and things are happening where God's doing all kinds of stuff for people. But I'm saying, especially for Christian people, Christian people that are crying out to God are doing a lot of crying. But, when they turn that around and say, Father, your word promises me. Your word says. And they just keep on thinking. And your word says. Your word says. There comes a point in time when it has to show up. Because God's not a man that he should lie. Had he said, shall I not do it? Had he not promised it? Shall I not make it real? God will do for you what the Bible says he will do for you. And I want to finish this out by looking at this. It says, he looked round about to see her in verse 32. He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. That was probably her greatest act of faith. Let me tell you why. Number one. She wasn't supposed to be there with those men. She was trying to stay out of the way. That's why I said she was fearing and trembling to speak up. Because she's a woman in that crowd of men, that religious people that were supposed to stone women that tried to invade their territory. Number two, she'd had that issue of blood and tell, telling that in front of those guys that here I am in front of this crowd and I'm going to let them know that guys... From your thinking, I was contagious and I could contaminate you. And so she told Jesus on her face with fear and trembling, Jesus, I had this issue for 12 years. Jesus, I heard about you and I was so fed up and disgusted with the way my life was. I broke Jesus. I went to all the doctors. I don't have any money left. 
I'm so ashamed of my life right now, Jesus. And Jesus, when I touched you, it dried up and I'm healed, Jesus. That was a great act of faith to give that testimony. And so part, part of your life is this. When God does great things for you, don't be ashamed or embarrassed to tell others what God's done. Because how many other women might have been around somewhere listening to that and they had to hear this woman's boldness that if I did it, you can do it. People need to hear that. People need to hear that. Talk about real Bible faith. So anyway, he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, behold thy plague. I got to throw you one nugget out here at the end. See that word whole, W-H-O-L-E? That comes from a Hebrew word, shalom. Have you ever heard the word shalom? Or Jewish people talk about shalom? That means nothing broken, nothing missing, everything restored. That means the woman had her fortunes restored. Because when Jesus said, woman, shalom. That means you're healed, finances restored, you've tapped in to the plan of God. Amen. God wants you shalom. He wants you made whole spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. God wants you restored. So just take to heart the things we look at tonight. That's a true Bible story. Do what she did, and you'll get what she got. If you want your life to come back to normal, then cooperate with the biblical laws of faith. Amen. Stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.